I got more of these packets. PSA, if you missed last week, because a lot of people do, because it's the first year, we're going through Revelation. And not all of it, just part of it. But I know when you open that Revelation door, people have questions and they want to talk. I'm not the guy. I don't know things. Like, I, I took some classes and stuff like that, but like, I'm not like super into all that, you know, like, it's just, it's way too much. Not smart, whatever you want to say. But we got more of these in the back. In case you missed it, uh, grab one. In case you're joining online for the first time, I cannot send these electronically. And these have to be um, limited time. So you can't... Uh, uh, these, uh, these are limited time. So just during the series, next in January, next three weeks or whatever. And then you got to actually physically come to church and get it. So you can grab it right now or... Uh, email me, shoot me a text or whatever, and then I'll leave one out for you and you can just grab it then whenever you want. Um, I, I listened to the guy last week. He did an okay job and, uh, he missed, he missed some stuff, but I just wanted to thank all of you for the encouragement, the nice words. They're not, they're not necessary, but it's nice to know that people are like enjoying it, you know, especially something like this, that it's, it's a lot and it's hard, and it's difficult, but, um, it, but it's, it's always good to hear from people, so thank you. Um, I wanted to say one thing, and of course, I, I left my Bible, because that's what you do when you're preaching. Uh, uh, so uh, I wanted to say this, that, uh, and I wanted, because I kind of skirted around it, and I jumped around it, and I, I hit every single point besides actually just saying the thing I wanted to say, because I'm new, and I'm, you know, um, Revelation 1, and this is a free sermon. You thought you're going to get one. No, you're getting two. This is a free sermon, right? Revelation 1, uh, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Remember this? And haha, that's me, right? And then two, it says, and blessed are those who hear, all of you, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So remember, we're, we're, we're working on things, and we're trying to understand things, right? And we're working on timelines, whatever. If, if that's not great, it doesn't matter. Guess what though? It's secondary. You're hearing it. You're here. You're at home hearing it. Good job. That's half of it, right? There's a second half. You got to do it. We all got to do it. So remember, there's, there's a lot of us who this is going to come easy to. All the symbolism, artsy stuff, symbols, you know, all the cool seals and all, all those things. Some of us are going to get it right away. Others... Don't, right? <laughs> this might surprise you. I'm not an artsy person, right? So it's a little harder for me to get it. Don't laugh, right? Uh, it's a little harder for some of us to get it, right? But it's okay because that's not the point. The point is to hear and to do. So last week talk, we talked about repenting and, and rediscovering our first love, right? And, and that's all good and, and all that stuff to, to hear it. And, but, but if we're not doing it, What's the point, right? My, my intro, I don't know what the class was called. It's like intro to preaching or what, what basics of preaching or whatever. My first preaching class, the first day, they, the teacher walked in and he said, um, after intros and all that stuff, right? All the all symbol, uh, syllabus stuff that you have to go through. He said, listen, you can give the greatest sermon of all time. You can make people laugh, cry, and all that stuff. What do you call a, a great sermon that people hear and they leave and they don't do anything with a bad sermon. So 
um, it, it really takes the pressure off of me because I could do all this work and if, if we don't go and do it, you know, and then likewise, like if, if God wants to use a sermon that I just, I'm not good, it wasn't funny, jokes weren't landing, but hey, I, my, my life change, your life change, it's a great sermon. So hey, just remember that as we go through it. Um, that's a long there's your first sermon of the day. You're welcome, right? The second one's a little longer, okay? So uh, let me pray, and then we're going to get into uh, chapter two. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the book of Revelation. Thank you for all that it is, all the, the goodness that's in it. Um, and I pray that we don't um, focus on the secondary, but we remember what it's all about. We remember what you're all about, God. I pray for all these uh, things in your holy name. Amen. Well, uh, last week, it was, a bit, it was a long passage. We had to do a chapter and a half because there's a lot to get through. Uh, shorter passage this week, so it's okay. Don't worry. Uh, if you want, open up to Revelation 2, verse 8, and we're going to go through 17. But 2, 8. And we're going to be talking about the next two churches. We got the intro done. We got the first church. And now we're going to go uh, to the second church. And in verse 8, it says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write. Remember, he's, he, this is God talking to John, and he's writing letters to angels of the churches. And we're not sure, because a lot of us weren't here, we're not sure if that's a, a guardian angel, if that's like a person, if that's like a symbol of like, this is who the church is, right? But uh, he's writing these things. So he's saying, hey, write this to this specific church. It says, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Why is he being symbolic already? Think about that for a second. Why is he saying this? If you're introing a letter, if you're writing to somebody, how do you start it off? How do you introduce yourself? Why, instead of saying, hey, this is your good buddy, John, why is he saying these words? Think about it for a while. Maybe we'll get to it. We will, don't worry. Verse nine, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. What is tribulation? Hardship. More words. Affliction. Ooh, that's a good word. Struggle. Wow. Right on. Absolutely. See, tribulation, we get scared. We hear tribulation, and we hear revelation, and we get scared. Not a scary word. It's a hard word. Not a scary word, right? Poverty. But you are rich. How does that make sense? What is poverty? Not rich. Thank you. <laughs> right? But you are rich. How does that make sense? It's question and answer time, right? And, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not. Is that ringing any bells of last week? People who saying they are, but they're actually not? Huh. This church is facing an issue that a different church is facing. That never happened. Churches are isolated and their problems are just their own, right? Oh, maybe not. Maybe we're not just one church isolated from every other church and we can't learn and treat each other and understand each other and learn from each other. Because maybe a problem that church down the street is having, maybe we're going through it. Maybe a church that we went through three years ago, they're going through it now, right? Uh, but are a synagogue of Satan. <sighs> Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. Does the devil throw people into prison? Does he actually come 
and pick you up and throw you into prison. What does that mean? What if there's a bigger story going on? Right? I I talked last week about churches closing. And sure, it might be government shutting a church down. Sure, it might they not be they might not be able to cl- pay their bills or what staffing issues or somebody moves in the church. Right? Who's actually closing that church down? Right? When when we talk about like oh uh, punishment and oh these missionaries are being thrown into jail and oh wow the gov- government the president or whatever the whatever leader is doing this to persecute those Christians who are shutting churches down, who are throwing people into prison, who are killing Christians simply because they're Christians. Yeah, they're doing it. Who's actually doing it? Let's never forget that. Right? People live on this two-dimensional plane in a three-dimensional world, but they live down here. Right? Yeah, we have to live down here, but we we also have to remember that there's more going on. It's vertical as much as it is horizontal. Does that make sense? Good. That you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Let's continue on. The church of Pergamum. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, right? Is he going to say the same thing? The words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword. Why now is he changing his intro? Why don't you just say Jesus? I wonder. The first church has a different intro than the second church. That has a different intro to the third church. Hmm. I wonder if there's a pattern. Why in the world would he change up his intro? Let's look at that later. Uh, Verse 13, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Where do they live? Say it louder. You said the right answer. Say it louder. Satan, thank you, Pergamum. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Where do they dwell? Maybe symbolic? Where does Satan rule? Hell. Kind of. He's also punished earth. They're living in a bad area. They're living where Satan rules. Right? So we remember, once again, we're saying this again, that, hey, no, Satan doesn't rule. There's leadership. There's government. There's, there's Rome, and there's that guy, and then he sent out leaders to rule this area, and they sent out rulers. Who's ruling that area, really, according to John? Satan, thank you. Yet you hold fast to my name, and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some, thing, you, uh, you have some there who hold to the teachings of Balaam. Do we know Balaam? Have we talked about that? Does it matter? Do we need to? If he's saying, this is a bad thing, you're holding to the teachings of Balaam, What do we know about Balaam? Bad. Thank you. Right? That's all we need to know. You can look it up if you want. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block 
before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also, you have some who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. We learned about them, remember? Last week, they were talking about the other church. So this is, these guys, Nicolaitans, whoever they are, they're widespread. They're not just in one congregation. They're not one in one group. They're around, right? They're actually moving. They're working. They're doing things. And in one church, they were a problem. And now we see in another church, they're a problem. Uh, verse 16, therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you, uh, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that what no one knows except the one who receives it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. We made it. It wasn't long. I didn't I know it wasn't scary. It wasn't a chapter and a half. It's okay. So this week, just like last week, I gave you guys a little open spot there to write the strengths. I have them. I, I have some, right? But I, I know that you're adults. You might find one that, that's, that I missed, right? So uh, in your little spot, you have strengths. Uh, we have two churches to talk about. So the first one, which is Smyrna, uh, is spiritually rich. Remember, they're spiritually rich, but poor. They're poor, but poverty, but rich. I don't right? And then they endure persecution. What does that mean? Well, Matthew 6, we're going to be jumping around a lot today. So if you don't want to jump around, it's okay. Don't, I don't, don't worry about it, but you're welcome to. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 helps us. It says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where, and this is the easiest answer, this is the easiest question that I could go off of that. Where is our treasure? Where do we put our treasure? And this is not a physically, it might be, it certainly might be, but physically, uh, where do we put our treasure? One of the first questions you are asked when you're budgeting money, when you're, when you're going through any of the financial peace, university, any of those things, commonly, one of the first questions you're going to be asked is where are your priorities and are your priorities backed by your budget? Because guess what, folks? We can say, hey, my priority is my family and my priority is, is, um, uh, is leading the future generations and my priority is Boy Scouts, girls, what, fill in the blanks, right? My, my priority is my wife. My, well, let's look at your budget. Does your budget prove that? If 90% of your budget is going to gambling insert random if you're if 90 okay let's not get so controversial right if 90 percent of your budget is going to Krispy Kreme the Lord's donut right if 90 what where's your priorities Krispy Kreme right you really like it you really love it right we sit here and we we, we say oh obviously 
Obviously, that's true. If you're spending 90% of your, your budget on donuts that cost 20 cents that you can get for free if you come to church, if you're spending that much money on that, obviously your priority is that. Let's get a little more personal. No, I don't want to. No, I will. Right? If, if you're spending 10%, 20%, 30% on clothes, 50% on makeup, 60% on, on video games and fishing gear and hunting gear, what are your priorities? Oh, that doesn't work. Go back to the donuts. I like that one. That was funny. That's a little, oh. See what I mean? Where do we put our treasures, folks? And I'm not talking about like, oh, I, 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 I put my, my money in Bank of America or Chase or First Republic Bank, because that's where my church, you know, whatever it is. Where are you spending your money? And, and, and sometimes, for some of us, the question is, where are we not spending our money? If we spend our money in saving in retirement, where's our priorities? If we, if, if we spend, it's saving, but it's spending, 80% of our budget goes to retirement. And I can't help them, and I can't help the church, and I can't help the generations, and I can't, take, I can't send Christmas gifts to the grandkids, because I, where's our priorities? It's messy. It, it's, it's not this clean-cut thing anymore. It, it's, it's, oh, wow, where I spend stuff matters. I can't remember. Uh, I, 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 I want to say... Uh, it was Rick Warren, but like I, it could be a hundred percent wrong. So don't quote me. Uh, but uh, don't quote him. But uh, quote me. Let's say I made it up, right? And it said one of the last things uh, when when people come to Christ, one of the last things that that comes to Christ with them is their wallet, right? One of the last things that's converted, one of the last things they were willing to give up is their wallet. Why? Fill in the blank. I mean, there's a million reasons, and, it, and dare I say it's different for every person. What I would say, a common one, is, hey, if this doesn't work out, I got a backup plan. The rich young ruler, the rich ruler, the rich man, wants to follow Jesus, wants to do all the things, wants to leave, wants to go. Jesus says, hey, sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow me. But I'm rich. That's what I'm identified as. See, we walk through life, and just like last week, we think that our words don't matter, our actions aren't matter, they don't coalesce, they don't agree, they don't mesh. Our bank account and our values, we try to separate. And we say, ah, it's not, it's not a big deal. And ah, I could spend, and nobody knows, and I don't see it. And, and Scott doesn't know. <laughs> so why, why, who cares? God knows. And, and, and maybe just as more important, you know. Can I say that? I, I know one of the greatest parts of, of the FPU, Financial Peace University, we did it a couple years back, was I start, and this is a little bit, I started to know where our money went. 
because I didn't know before. <laughs> I got this magic credit card and I could just spend as much money and it keeps swiping and hey, it works, so I'm gonna keep swiping, right? And, and now it's like, hey, I know where my money's going. So at the end of the day, I can tell you all my priorities. I can show, I can say, oh yeah, like I really care about the future and I really care about this and I do this and that, the other thing. I don't know what I spend my money on. I don't know what I'm actually putting towards. I spent too much time. I know this isn't our church. So we don't talk about money. Let's move on, right? So uh, that's that's the first that's the first church that's spiritually rich, enduring persecution. Secondly, uh, the second church, Pergamum, holding fast to Christ's name, not denying their faith. And here's the beautiful thing, folks, ladies and gentlemen, and, and I teased it a while back. I teased it at the beginning. Is is John? And God, God, it's it's God, right? He's introing these letters purposefully. He's not just picking out random attributes of God. He he certainly can. He he can mix these up. He could say, "Hey, God, Christ, the person who died and not only died, came back, wants you to persevere." Uh, the God, the person who loves you, Abba Father. Wants you to endure. He, he can absolutely do this, but it's purposeful, right? He says, uh, if you go back to verse 8, we're going to be, we're jumping around a little bit. Ver, Revelation 2, this verse, uh, 8 through 12, we're skipping 9 though. It says, and to the angel of Smyrna, write uh, the words of the first and the last who died and came back to life. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about uh, the devil is about to throw you some some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will be uh, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He's not just making this empty challenge, folks. He's not just saying, "Hey, warning, spoiler alert, you're going to jail," and guess what? It's bad. And even if you get out which some of you might not, you might die, you're still going to be, it's going to be bad. And eventually, you're going to die. But guess what? Don't lose faith. Why? I introed it. I started it off by saying, Christ endured. We, we, I, you know, one of, one of the greatest travesties, honestly, of preaching today and, and this is an idea from uh, Francis Chan, Francis Chan's book. Um, he, he said, I have spent so much of my time, my preaching time, trying to convince people to follow the Bible. I, I've spent so much of, the, and this is him talking, right? I've spent so, uh, so much of my time trying to convince them that these are good things. That, that not lying is a good thing. That not cheating is a good thing. That enduring is a good thing. That, that withstanding trials, that endurance is a good thing. And the fact of the matter is, is that, and once again, this is him, not me. I don't feel like I need to do that anymore. I feel like I don't, I shouldn't do that anymore. The fact of the matter is, is when Scott comes up here and he says, hey, God wants us to do this. Okay, great. Let's do it. How do we do it? When? How? How much money is going to start? How, how much money is it going to cost? How much time do I have to put in? What do we have to do? 
But we spend so much time thinking, hey, is it the right thing? Is it the wrong thing? Is it, is it good? Is it, I don't know. I, see, folks, we have a better reason to live a life than anyone else on this planet. We have a better reason to live a better life than anyone else on this planet. We have a perfect example already. Sometimes Old Testament people, maybe a little easier. A lot of the times, way harder. <laughs> kind of the point. Uh, some, some of the times, a little easier. They didn't have all the rules of this, that, the other thing. Oh, they didn't have to deal with technology. It's so hard. They didn't have Jesus. They, they, they knew that Jesus was coming in some sort, form, all that good stuff. But they, didn't, they couldn't look back and say, hey, this is what a perfect life looks like. We have it. So guess what? We could say, oh, withstand, oh, endure. Why? Not because it's the good thing to do. Not because it's the right thing to do. Because Jesus did it. Because the perfect example has already done it. And, and before, before you receive a challenge to endure, you're going to be reminded, hey, Christ did it. Walk through life remembering Christ did it. Face struggle. Be tempted. Face sin head on remembering Christ did it. And, and, and uh, dare I say none of us. Hope, I don't know. I don't even know. N none of us are ever going to be thrown into jail or pers physically persecuted or, or killed over this stuff. But if we are, we can remember Christ did it. No matter what we are going through, no matter what we are facing, we can remember Christ endured. He faced it. He faced the problem already. And because he acted, because he endured, because he did or didn't do some certain things, we already have the answers. Uh, not denying their faith. Weaknesses. The one weakness, and this is kind of cool. The first church didn't have any weaknesses. No, I could think of maybe, maybe you got one, maybe I don't know. It's false teachings. False teachings are not around anymore. Sarcasm, right? <laughs> People don't look at the Bible and misinterpret. Sarcasm, right? They, they, don't, they don't publicly deny God, publicly deny scripture, say it's pointless, that it's against science, and oh, wait, I got too far. <laughs> that was a little too close. False teachings are around will be around, have been around, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, folks, where there was two voices. The first one, God, don't eat it. Second one, eat it. 50-50 shot, they guessed wrong. They had every opportunity, every chance in the world, and guess what? False teachings are pleasing False teachings play into logic. Think about this. Did God really say? Oh, but he doesn't want you to have. 
what if we applied that today? Did God really want you to do this? Did God really want you to do that? God just wants you to suffer. There's a mentality, and I'm, I'm like opening up the screen door of like being a pastor a little bit here. Um, there's like a mentality that like a lot of pastors have to break where it's just a life of nothing. You, you aren't allowed to have money. You're not allowed to have a salary. And that's just how life is. And for a lot of people, it's they just and a lot of people, it's true, right? If you're a missionary and you're going somewhere in Africa or something like this, and, and it's just that's a fact of life. But a lot of us live with that mentality that, hey, that's all there is. That's all there ever will be. And 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 that false teaching stops us from doing great things. And it stops so many future pastors, kids, students, high schoolers, college students, 40-year-olds, 60-year-olds, who are looking into it saying, I can't. I, I, I can't do this. I'm afraid I, I have too much responsibility. I can't follow God because I got a family to raise, because I have to save for retirement, because of all these things. None of those things are bad. Of course not. We should be responsible. We should take care of our kids. We should set them up for success. We should give them a little money instead of debt. But now let's, let's turn the tables. What false teachings are all of us listening to? What false teachings have, have we bought into? What false teachings have we, have we said, yes, this is the fact of life. God can't because of fill in blank. God can't change my husband. God can't change my wife because guys are dumb. Women are blank. What a, you know, like I can talk about guys being dumb. I'm allowed to say that, but I'm not the other, you know, what I mean? like you try to get me. I'm not going to follow through you, right? And we believe this false, these false mentalities, these false whatever's and it stops us from greatness. These people, remember, these people are about to go, some of them are about to go to jail. These people, some of them are about to die. And they're going to be, and some of them are going to be holding on to dust. These false teachings that aren't true. They're, they're, they're holding on to things that won't last, that don't matter. The tribulation stays the same. The waves, the storm, whatever you're going through is true for all people. Some of us have it harder, yes. But hardship is like a human truth. What's the difference then between Christianity and anything else? What's your anchor? The house. I'm jumping around. You better, you better have been living in the Christian church all your life, right? It's going to be following me right now. Your house that's, that's encountering that storm, that storm is a coming. You're, you're, you are going to face that storm. Your neighbor is going to face that storm. Your neighbor's neighbor is going to face that storm. What's the difference? 
the foundation. Know that trials are a coming. And you have a perfect opportunity. All of us have a perfect opportunity to realize not only what false teachings we have, but to recognize, to hear, and to implement what true teachings. Folks, we have the Bible, and we don't get it. We have God's holy scripture, his word, the double-sided sword. Why would we ever need anything else? <laughs> Pray, absolutely. Get more. Get great. In, in Interpretation, all that stuff. Go to church, absolutely. But we look for wisdom on websites and Google and everything. We already have it. Let's continue on. Uh, Re Revelation 2, 12 through 16, and we're skipping a couple verses. It says, And the, the angel of the Lord at Pergamum, right? So this is that second church, remember? The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. So why did he intro the, the two-handed sword? Why did he remember remind people, Hey, Christ has a two-handed sword in his mouth. You want to mess with him? Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. Uh, I went to a church in Southern California when we were when we were looking for church. When I was looking for churches, they were going through a, a during college, and uh, they were going through a. I can't remember at the time, but it's either a two-year or three-year study of the names of God. The identity of God. Who is he? All the, all the times like in the Bible, it says, God, you are the God of love. Insert, insert phrase, statement, whatever. And the, every single Sunday, they talked about a new one. Every single Sunday, it was true. How can God have so many names? Uh, is he a liar? Why? <laughs> he can't fulfill all those rules. You know why they did it? And I think, and I, I, I didn't go to that church for very long, like just, it wasn't my style or whatever, but you know why they did it? And they said this is we hope that one day you can go through a trial because we all know you're gonna, and you could hold on to one of these names. What if you knew God was a healer and you're sick? What if you knew God was perfect and you just realized you're not? <laughs> What if, what, what if you, you know that God is a redeemer and, and your marriage needs redeeming? <laughs> and what if you're battling and warring and facing Satan's dwelling place <laughs> and you know Christ has a two-handed, two-sided two sword? not on me anymore you know it's okay it'll be all right you know what i i'm still gonna be facing trials i'm still have to go through it and 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 things happen death happens sickness happens there's a lot of bad stuff in life but hey guess what 
my dad's bigger than your dad. My God's bigger than your God. And, and guess what? You could come at me with whatever you got, and it's fine, and I understand it. And you can hate me all you want. And I get it. I don't agree with you, but I understand it. And not only do I need not to fight you, I can love you. Why? Because I don't need to fight my own battles. My God has a sword. My God is big. And, and I don't need, I don't need to, to yell at you. I don't need to fight you. I don't need to return as much hate as you have towards me. I don't need to return that to you. Why? Because I know, I remember who God is. And while everyone in your life is freaked out because you got so-and-so illness, disease, what, insert blank, when, when you ha- lose job and everyone is losing faith, you don't have to. Yeah, it could be scary. Absolutely, you're going to worry. Absolutely, do you have some work to do? But you don't have to lose faith. Why? Because you remember who God is. Well, we have some solutions. Last week, remember, repent and rediscover first love. Repent and rediscover first love. This solution, just as clear, just as concise, just as easy, just as hard. That makes sense. Repent and endure. Repent and endure. John 15, 18 through 30. I think 18 through 20, sorry. Uh, It says, uh, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. This is Jesus talking. Uh, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the the word that I have said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. You can go through life, ladies and gentlemen, remembering the same words that I said before. No matter what you go through, no matter what you face, no matter what trials, no matter how many people hate you, no matter what they say against you, no matter what they put on Facebook or next door or whatever, You can absolutely, positively know without a shadow of a doubt that you're doing something right. (laughs) Last week, remember my my teacher, whoever said it, and I still don't know who said it. I tried to remember, but I couldn't do it. If someone's not calling you the Antichrist, you're not doing anything right. And they might not take it to that level. They might not say that in those same words, but guess what? If you're loving people, they're going to hate you back. Parents, you know this. You love your kids, so you do X, and they hate you for it. (laughs) And it's crazy, and it's insane, and and you're alone on it. No other kid does that. Just yours, right? (laughs) Why? Why why can't they just say, thank you, mom. Thank you for making me eat cauliflower. It's good for me. I, I appreciate you. 
I'll answer that when you answer me this. Why do we do that to the same thing to God? When he's trying to grow us, when he's trying to prune us, when he's trying to smelt, refine. Why is our first response, God, why? When it comes to kids, we say, wow, immature, brat. How, how, how dare you? I'm your parent. You have to respect me and love me and, and know that I know. Why, 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 why? Because I don't want you to get hit by the car. Because I don't want you to die from whatever. Because I, I care about you. And we have that mentality. And then an hour later, 20 minutes later, 30 seconds later, we're saying, God, why is this happening to me at work? Repent and, and endure. Hebrews 4, 14 through 15 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He did it. He did it better, and he did it first. He did it. He did it better, and he did it first. We have the example. Nothing we have been tempting with. Jesus hasn't already done, and he hasn't already aced. That's encouraging, folks. Why? <laughs> There's the old trope. Why did Jesus come down as a human and not a caterpillar, as a bug? Why did Jesus come down as a baby and not an elephant? Why is one of the core essential beliefs of Christianity is that Christ is 100% God and 100% man? Why is that so important, so impactful, so vital for all of us? We cannot forget that how close physically and how close emotionally, how close our God is to us. God absolutely oversees everything. He, he's sitting up there looking at everything, controlling the universe. And he's absolutely sitting there saying, talk to the lady at in and out or talk to this, talk, reply to that email kindly. I say, hey, I'm praying for you to your neighbor. It, it's this dichotomy that God is very far seeing everything, big picture, all time. And he's so intimate and so close. And, and in our greatest successes, he can understand because our God is a God of success. But then in our worst weaknesses, our work's darkest times, he can understand. He could sympathize. He's been there and he did it perfectly. Last verse, wrapping it up. Second Chronicles 7, 11 through 14. Thus Solomon, getting, getting, getting a little old school here. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. 
all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and is in his own house, he had successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God, in the Old Testament, they build him this house. Solomon builds him this house. And it's gorgeous. And it's beautiful. And it is a testament to the world of who they are and what they believe. Solomon, God meets with Solomon and says, listen, times are going to be hard. You're going to mess up. The land's going to go dry. Locusts, bad times. You're going to get fired. Now this is the little Brent version, right? The B, B, R, B, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Times are going to get rough. You're going to get fired. You're going to lose your house. You're going to get, your friends are going to get cancer or whatever. Bad times. Uh, Global lockdown is going to happen and and churches and, and all this stuff and uncertainty. And people are going to be running around you scared and terrified. And God says this. I will hear from heaven and will forgive them of their sin and heal their land. We want to fix things. We want to get better. We want our lives to get better. You want our, our families' lives to get better, our, our county, our states, our country, our worlds. First step. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them, repent, and heal their land. Endure. No matter how hard it is, no matter what you've done, We serve a God that's big enough, that's wise enough, that's loving enough. That if we repent and endure, times are going to get better, folks. And Revelation, it's crazy because it's one of those books that Revelation is one of those those books where everyone looks at it as doom and gloom and, and bad times and hard, and absolutely there is. But remember, repent and endure, the book ends pretty well. Dare I say, perfectly. And you can go, if you were to read the Bible cover to cover, you could say, wow, it's only getting worse. And if you were to look at history, human history, and on all time, you'd say, wow, it's getting worse. You could look at economics and you could look at weather and you could look at anything else and you could say, yeah, it's getting worse. Repent and endure. Dare I say, it's going to end perfectly. Dear Lord, thank you for today. We thank you 
for this reminder. We thank you that um, no matter how hard times is, no matter how what trials, tribulations, no matter what we go through, no matter how what 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 we face, who faces us, what, no matter what they have, what weapons they bring against us, what what logic or reasoning or whatever they bring against us, I thank you that we absolutely positively know that you are bigger that we don't have to defend, that we don't have to war, that we don't have to hate, that we don't have to do any of that stuff because you're taking care of it, that, that you are big enough to take care of it, God. I pray that we could just go and, and always remember, have this mentality, have this lifestyle of repent and endure, God. And just like last week, as we repent and, and, and re- rediscover our first love, that we remember how easy it is to lose it. That, that the world is a loud place and it's full of distractions. And, and things are hard and, and there's a lot of voices. I pray that we always remember that there is one voice that we need to be focused on, God. That storms are coming, that trials are coming, that that prison is coming, that death is coming. Insert problem here. But we have a perfect example in Christ of someone who has already endured. Pray for this offering, God, that it is pleasing to you and that that if anyone here is, is new or a guest, that They feel no obligation to give, but simply acknowledge what we do as a church family, Lord. Pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Go with him. Repent and endure. Have a great week, guys. Appreciate you.